My name's uh, Charlie Vidito. I'm a dentist until about three years ago. And then about a year and a half ago, I became the missions director here. So uh, it's been a very big privilege. And really, our church looks forward to this week um, with great excitement. So we really appreciate you guys coming. So let's pray. King of glory, we request your presence today. Lord, nothing compares to your greatness and knowing you. As we spend the next hour together, give us ears to hear your Holy Spirit. Give us pure hearts, Father. Hearts that share the things that are on your heart. Renew our minds. Give us new things, new approaches to complete the mission you've assigned to us. Allow us to leverage our skills for your service. And as we go, may we make disciples that make disciples. Father, your love language is obedience. And we pray for strength and courage to be obedient to your agenda. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Okay. The plenary speakers have been phenomenal. And... um, but we have a huge problem around the world, don't we? We have 2.7 billion people that have little or no access to the gospel. Does that bother anybody? Does it bother anybody? 2.7 billion people that have never heard the name of Jesus. This is a big challenge. And, uh, you know, we've got the low-hanging fruit already. Central America, Caribbean, most of South America, it's reached. There's churches. So I'm going to challenge you. I don't know that we need to keep going there anymore. And so, uh, so we have a, a new, we have a tougher field to go to now. We have heavily Muslim, heavily Hindu areas that we have to go to. And it's going to require a little different approach. Oh, my slides got out of order somehow. Sorry about that. This approach is going to be requires to look at Jesus, how he did things. First John two six says, "If you want to live as Jesus lived, you have to walk as Jesus walked." So, King shared very nicely about this scripture in Matthew ten ten one. And he sent out his 12 disciples, and he gave them authority to even drive out evil spirits and, and heal the sick. Teach, preach, and heal. It's a very simple strategy. But guys, you know, if you think about it, at this conference, we are the custodians of Christian healthcare. We cannot keep these skills to ourselves. We have to figure out strategies to pass them on. Look at Jesus. He was the ultimate in empowerment. He even allowed his disciples to drive out demons. So if he's our model, we need to follow what he has to say. 2.7 billion people. You know that there's more Christians in Africa than there are people that live in North America. It's a great resource that we have. Missions has changed. Now it's everywhere to everywhere. You know this King's Pride guy that was this morning, Daniel, many others from across 
the world. Caleb, they're on a short-term mission trip right now to minister to us. And short-term missions is very powerful. So we, there's Kenyans that are now going to Jamaica. Ghanaians are going to Mali. We're talking to Kenyans about going to Haiti next week. Have we pretty much messed up Haiti? Have we made them totally dependent on us? Not really understanding the real spiritual problems that are there? So it's changed. And so we need to go together. So these areas that are very difficult, I'm thinking about the Sahara Desert. Um, we're just not going to do well there as Americans. So we need to find our brothers and sisters that will go there uh, and go together with them. So this is an awesome proverb. Have you heard this before? Has anybody heard this? This is very powerful. If you want to go fast, don't we like to go fast as Americans? We go alone. But if you want to go far, you go together. And uh, we cannot see what others can see. And so we need their help. So uh, that's the way God designed things. Now, let's look at these stats. And we've taken three nations. Um, the probability of a child dying before age five per 1,000 births is 191. That's almost 20%. Niger, it's 161.8 for the U.S. That is an injustice. It should not be that way. When we look at my field of dentistry, we have a ratio. There's one dentist for one million people in Mali, a little better in Niger. But there's one dentist per 1,500 patients in the U.S. And there's the the number of Christians. So, we got a new plan. It's not a new plan. It's God's plan. So we go on short-term mission trips, right? And what's the first thing we see? First thing. This is like interchange, you guys. You Lines. Thank you. Linda, you already knew that. You've heard this a thousand times. What's the first thing you see? Lines waiting for people to see you, right? What's the last thing you see? Lines. Now, does that seem like the way God would do things? That he would leave all those folks untreated? Some of them, in many cases, have come a long way. And we're going to say, sorry for your luck. And that's what happened to me personally. I was in Jamaica, and uh, it was the last day. It was an hour before we were supposed to leave. And the guy who was in charge of crowd control is a tough Louisville policeman. He said, Charlie, uh, there's still 85 people out there. What are we supposed to tell them? And I said, uh, but I don't know, Paul, but, you know, i got my hands full up here. You're gonna have, I don't know what you're going to tell them. So I just let him go on, and 15 minutes later he comes back. This time he's weeping like a baby. He goes, no, I need an answer. What am I supposed to tell him? Because I've never seen this before. Because he had spent the week with them. He knew their stories. He knew their family. He knew their desperation. But I was isolated from that up in the clinic. And I thought, at first I thought, Paul, why, why are you acting this way? But it was a way Christ would act, I think. He had compassion on the people. And so I said, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to come and do dentistry and leave all these people behind. And so I remember it was kind of prophetic. I said, God must have a plan, but I don't know what it is. So here's what we've tried to do. Can we 
um, change the way we do short-term missions? Can we, instead of a treating model, go to a training model? And uh, if we do that, then we don't have to leave people behind. And you know what? When I would go to Jamaica and I would see the people the next year after I went there, they'd say, oh, Dr. Charlie, they'd remember my name. Oh, Dr. Charlie, you pull teeth like a baby. (laughs) And so I would be, yeah, I'm pretty good, aren't I? But that's not God's way. I like it when God gets the credit for it. So, like we talked about, people aren't left left behind untreated. You know what happens when you pass along a skill like dentistry to uh, a, a national believer? Their countenance changes. They they have a different esteem. They see themselves in a new way because. They see themselves being used by God to minister and to heal. And that is a very powerful thing. And, uh, and we'll share some stories about what can happen when, when nationals have this ability to, uh, to heal. When a patient allows you to work in their mouth, they have to let down a barrier, don't they? The mouth is a very private area. It's very personal. And when somebody says, will you help me with this bad tooth? A defense comes down. A barrier comes down. And now they allow you to meet their needs physically, but also it's an opportunity to meet their needs spiritually. It goes hand in hand. And that's what Jesus said right over and over. Preach and heal. So it's a very tangible introduction to the gospel. Okay. So this empowerment, now this wasn't done just, this is not a theory. This, is, this has been done all over the world. 23 countries, we've trained nationals. Most of these countries are in the 1040 window. Countries like northern Ghana that King spoke about last night. He was the first place we did this. Um, Liberia, northern Nigeria, heavily staunch Muslim people. People hostile to the gospel. If they know you're a Christian, they'll just kill you. And uh, they're able to, but if they know you're, you can help them with their dental needs, they're not apt to do that. India, Myanmar, there's all kinds. And there's a lot of folks in here that have done this, so I just happen to be a spokesman. But you talk to them and let them hear what, what they've, uh, they've found by going on trips. Tens of thousands. I didn't realize there was 40,000 patients he said he treated in the last seven years. And trust me, every single one of them heard about the good news of Jesus. Yeah, and so they get to hear the truth. And, and so it's a very, very powerful, so much so that um, there's so many converts you can't disciple them all. So now we have to address that issue. Some say that's a good issue to address. Wow, that's a challenging one. So, um, so... If we can do this in dentistry, can we do this in medicine? Can we get away, to, from, away from this old model? I just heard it. It was great. Medical short-term missions is just throwing pills at people. What if you taught somebody how to manage high blood pressure? 
which is a huge problem in Africa. And let's just say he's an elder in the church and he's 35 years old. Without treatment, he's got 10 years to live max. With treatment, he can live longer and now he's, he can be used through the church longer. You with me? Does this make sense? Diabetes is the same thing. There's lots of things. Dr. Tom McKechnie is doing a lot of this initial work through, through Empower. So I'm not a big lecturer, so we're going to get, hopefully I generated some questions, but I'm going to wrap up here in just a few minutes and let you hear from Caleb in India. But um, I haven't gone into the details of the training. If you guys want to talk about we can. The way this is supposed to be structured, I'm supposed to speak for 20 minutes or so, and then it's all interactive. You guys ask questions, and we, you challenge it. We've, we've taken all the challenges, so we'll, we'll, we'd love to talk about that. But if you're interested in, in, in more about this ministry, then talk. Here's the website. There's the email address. And there's a phone number. Tom, yeah, he's, he's not up there, but um, they can get that for you. Okay. Let's take a little journey. I want you to just uh, go with me a second. Close your eyes. Just look down. Bow your head. Keep your eyes closed. Let's go on this journey. Just imagine, in your mind's eye, this is the situation. You're in northern Ghana. You could be anywhere in Sahara, Africa. And uh, you're on a short-term mission trip. You're there to see a lot of people. And... uh, it's hot. It is really hot. It's so hot, you drink water all day long, you don't have to pee all day. It's that hot. And you look over there under one of the few trees, there's set the patients. And you see them from a distance, and there's one patient that catches your eye. And it's a lady. She sits erect on the bench, but you notice something about her. As you watch her, she sways like she's about to pass out. And then she catches herself. And you walk over. And as you get closer, and as you approach her from the side, you notice she's pregnant. Looks like about eight months pregnant, you would guess. She turns to you, and now you're face to face. You can't help but notice the left side of her face is twice the size of the right side of her face. She appears to have swollen a, a, a grapefruit. That's how swollen she is. Through an interpreter, you find she hadn't slept in three days. She hasn't eaten in two days. You try to look in her eye, but she's just dazed. She's lived with this infection all her life, with tooth infection. At home, her husband is not happy with her because she hasn't been able to do her work very well for the last two or three days. And he's pretty mad. And now, he's watching the two younger children. And she better come home with this tooth out or she's in big trouble. Imagine this. You're not there. There's one dentist for two million people. Imagine this last thing. This young lady, she's your baby sister. She's not just some potty in the middle of Africa. She's your baby sister. Father, give us a heart that burdens 
for the things that burden your heart. You're a God of justice. Use us to correct injustice. Allow us to speak for those who have no voice. Forgive us for our apathy, for our complacency. Give us a pure heart for your agenda with the eternal perspective. Father, we need your help. We're desperate. And we want to be an instrument to be used by you for these 2.7 billion people that have ever, never heard the name of Jesus. And we have to do it together as a team in unity, the global church. So, Father, may we submit one to another to honor your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, okay, I want to invite a friend of mine up here. And he is name is Caleb, and he's a missionary in India. He has about 25 pastors that he works with. Now, about six years ago, five years ago, we went and we trained his pastors on how to give a shot and take a tooth out. So, Caleb, if you'll come up, they want you to use this microphone. And if you'll just share with us a little bit about your experience and what you've seen happen. Six years ago, uh, when... You can keep talking. I'll just hold it here. You keep talking on that. I just need to record you here. Oh, okay. I'll just hold it. You can let go. There you go. Six years ago when um, Charlie um, expressed the desire to come, we had the opportunity. I invited them, but then I was very, very skeptical. Then I shared this with some of the doctor friends of mine who would normally go with me into the rural villages where I work. How about this? They have outrightly discouraged me. Even uh, a doctor who works on our team also was very, very, very negative. How can this happen? Can they all do this within a span of one week? Can these, our pastors, who are, whom you can term as a grassroots evangelist, be able to use these um, tools and work on the patients. It was all confusion. But it's altogether history and a different story. Now these guys are ready, not just they're practicing very successfully, but they are even at a stage when they can teach others. We are a team of 25 pastors. We are committed to use this tool because this has opened up uh, the doors of uh, the communities which actually hated us. We had a lot of opposition in these areas. The scenario is this. There are no doctors. The only doctors that are existed, um, that existed in these villages or the quacks, as they call, uh, registered medical practitioners. The villages are prone and swayed by these people who 
were exploiting dentists. They don't know who dentist is. It's not even uh, talked about. Into these areas, such of these areas, our pastors take these mobile dental chairs, set up um, outreach centers to relieve them of the pain. I've seen in one instance, one young guy, in fact, several instances, but this one thing I would like to state. We had, um, in partnership with the local community, we have set up um, a dental outreach where uh, 12 of our team members were working on the people who were waiting. Suddenly they came rushing towards me as I was speaking to the community leaders there, come, come see. When I went there, there was a guy on the chair, he was crying, he was in tears. I thought our guys have messed up with him. By the way, we have done several thousands of extractions. We worked on several scores of people um, doing fillings and doing um, scaling, but not a single bad case so far. Some of the dentists, friends of mine who know me, they are watching me, they are amazed. They say in their hospitals they treat several hundreds, but then also see bad cases by dozens. He says, how come you don't have a single bad case? I tell them this is God-ordained, this is done prayerfully. And there's something supernatural about this. Now, coming back to this boy, I asked him, what happened? They said, he just now received Jesus Christ into his heart. I said, what? Received Jesus Christ and he's crying. He seemed to be crying. You know what happened when we actually when give those and our shots and then for it to take effect, we also engage them to find out where they came from, pick up a context, and we talk to them. And this boy um, had received Jesus into his heart. He got so convinced, and his burdens just evaporated just on the table, bang on the table, he was in the tears of joy. Many things like this have happened. This has become a tool for us to, to take Jesus in to these communities, which actually hated us. At one point, even one of our guys have been killed. He became a martyr. But now it's a different story altogether. So I strongly believe that this is possible. It is possible. Uh, I was skeptical, but then now I'm overwhelmed and I'm excited about this tool that we have to um, use it to bring Christ, show his compassion to our people, which are predominantly Hindu. Excellent. I can tell so many stories, but I don't know. Charlie has not given me the time, but I will not put him to... I don't know why we only have 45 minutes. I don't know who's running this place, but <laughs> something's wrong. So, um, you can keep that. I'll keep this. But see, this is an example of um, these guys, they know the, 
gospel. They know how to preach. They know how to teach. But they were going out and they were getting persecuted. But now when they brought this skill of healing in areas where there's no dental care and no access to dental care, their ministry took off. So, thank you, Caleb. They might want to ask a few more questions of you so you feel be available. So, now it's question and answer time. Yes, ma'am. Yes, um, they're not doing uh, full-time dentistry for sure. <laughs> yeah, their first call is to be pastors. Yeah, absolutely. and um, I'm very careful there. And uh, <laughs> for instance, um, once uh, we scheduled um, a dental outreach in a very interior forested area, our guys have done 150 extraction that day. And these are not just 150 extractions. These were very, very bad cases. These were tribals who had very bad chewing habits. They were all worn out. They literally had to pull out so many <laughs> things. Uh, I was amazed. The police department, the chief of police of that area, requested our pastors, our team, to extend our camp there, to take them, uh, requesting them to come to two other different villages. We told them we don't have anything. We have no supplies and we don't have resources at all. They said, no, we will take care. We will buy the medicines and we will take care of your hospitality and housing, everything go with us. And it is under their protection these camps were done. And one day they... Um, um, they have sent a letter to, appreciation letter to my office stating Dr. Sunil, Dr. Ratnakar, Dr. Puna Chandra. They're not doctors. They are not. <laughs> I got furious. <laughs> How can it be? They are not. But then they have done such an excellent job, they got to be recognized as doctors. But I told them, you are not doctors. You are pastors first. And then you are only using these skills to meet the felt needs in our communities. Yeah. So we balance it very, very well. I'm very careful in that. It's important to this is such a new concept. It's a kind of a work in progress. So um, we rely on the ministry to make the decision. So every ministry is a little bit different. But ideally, the pastor's schedule is completely full. It's somebody in the church that we train. So I'm talking to Caleb about that right now to try to turn that around a little bit. But there's real, you don't have to explain it. There's real significant issues why he's not doing that. So we, we have um, we have a um, um, few of our guys who actually, in fact, uh, if you went to their church, they have a small signboard stating that um, every month they have a clinic up there. And people from surrounding villages, tribal hamlets, they walk up there on a particular day. And that day, perhaps, um, he may not be praying. <laughs> he will be working on the patients. But it so happens on other days also they come. He will not send them away, but then uh, make sure that he is fully not engaged. But then... Um, yeah, so he has to balance it. So, did I answer your question? Okay, thank you. Any other questions? Yes, ma'am. Um, on this model, at what point do you 
Are you talking about dental shields like sealants? Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, well, what happens is in areas where there's been zero dental health care providers and it's not even on their radar screen, um, the overwhelming need is, is abscessed teeth extraction. So if you, want, if you talk to them about sealants, they're like, what on earth are you talking about? And you want to prevent disease, it's not even in their realm of understanding. You understand what I'm saying? To think about prevention and because, you know, all they know is uh, I'll go and, you know, I'm going to have some pain. So, but, so you start addressing the felt need, which is severe pain and infection. And then hopefully we'll start to bring in some of these other technologies to help them out. You with, you with me? Does that make sense? Okay. Other questions? Yeah. Yeah, that is a great question. I'm glad you asked it. The key is that Caleb or Daniel or King's Pride Hammond or wherever, they have to understand the regulations in their own country. So we're not going to do something that are going to violate those regulations. So in Caleb's place, the local officials, government officials, are asking him to come to the next village to provide this care. In King's case last night, the, the federal government came in and they said, uh, you know, there's one dentist in this whole northern region. So the, the government from Accra, which is 11 hours away, came in and said, uh, we've checked you out. We've talked to the people in this community and you keep on doing what you're doing. We Just tell me who's working here and we're good with it. So in King's case, if the federal government came up and said, you need to stop doing this, the mayor of Tamale and the governor of that state would say, you're going to do what? You're going to close this clinic down that's helping our community when we've been treated there? So that's kind of the leverage that you use. But you have to follow the government rules. You can't go in and do things that violate that. That's why that relationship with that partner is very important. So... I've been in these classes before, and somebody says, hey, I went to Kenya, and, you know, we started working on people and helping them with their bad teeth, and the government came and shut us down. I can't believe that. They went in uninvited. They, how, what, what audacity and arrogance to go to a country, not even tell the health officials you're there, and start doing dentistry. Crazy. I hope nobody's doing that. I think that's a little bit old school, but... We have to respect our authorities. That's scriptural. So, other questions? Yes. Are you going to the village, or are you bringing the village to you, or a combination of both? Well, it depends on the site. Um, sometimes we go to the village, and sometimes there's a facility established per, to provide that care. So, it's both. Now, in northern Nigeria, the government said. What are you doing? You, you, and so they came in and they're nosing around. Well, in, in that setting, as long as you have a nurse, and they had a nurse on staff, 
that will take responsibility for the clinic, then anybody that's working in that whole northern part of Nigeria, that clinic and that nurse covers anything that happens with those people that are trained. Now, they can be 500 miles away, but the government recognizes this is the authority. So as long as you work with their system, you're fine. But when you come in and you tell them what you're going to do, it doesn't work very well. So, any other questions? Yes. What are my thoughts on medical care? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Come up here, Linda. Linda Webster is the executive director of Empower, and uh, we we really uh, kind of cut our teeth in dentistry with Empower for the last seven years, and now we're we're doing a lot more. Med- that was pretty good, wasn't it? I said we cut our teeth on dentistry, and I, I didn't even notice until after. That's the best part. So um, we cut our teeth. That's funny. So, um, so now we're doing medicine, and uh, we need help with this. We need more practitioners. You know, Denny, raise your hand back there, Denny. Denny was the, he really encouraged me a lot because I was doing this all alone, and I was worried about what my colleagues would say. And some of my colleagues were not very flattering. Um, they wouldn't say it to my face, but they'd go behind me, and they'd tell others, like, can you believe he's doing this? It's like quackery. But Denny came in, and he, he, he was pretty skeptical at first, as I was. And he helped me a lot, and he encouraged me a lot. So I thank you for that, Denny. So he really kind of validated things. So the question is, Linda, um, medical care, and what is Empower doing for medical? We got the dental thing. What do you do in medical-wise? Um, okay, so uh, Charlie Benito founded Empower and came up with the dental training seven years ago. And it, it works really well. There's a study that's been done that proves that the community dental health workers that we train are very good at what they do. Um, they compared the Ghanaian community dental health workers with the American dentist, and they're almost as good as the American dentist at the extractions. They're very good at what they do. And so, yes, it yes, something to say. It took them twice as long to do the extraction, but that's the only difference, which um, is good. Yes, and so, of course, we feel like that should convey to medicine as well. And we have a, an emer- emergency room physician who's been working on the medical modules for, I don't know, a year. And he's coming up with some very basic things that we can teach in the field. He's done it the first couple of modules. He's done probably three or four times. And for the first time, Empower is going to do medical and dental training in Ghana in two weeks. And we're going to only do... Uh, vital signs, wounds, and a little bit of OBGYN. And when we say that, we only mean we're going to talk to the midwives, see how they deliver babies, and see if we can give them input that will make them more effective in the way they do it. Does that answer your question? Okay, good. But you know what? If you're a physician or a, a, a physical therapist or any of the other fields of medicine besides dentistry, and you want to help us develop the modules, please call us. We want input. Um, even with the dental module, we change it almost every time we go because we feel like we can always make it better. For the medical modules, we want your input because we want this to be the best possible. And you are the ones who can make it the best possible. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, watch out. If you start doing this, be careful. Because five dentists that started doing this training sold their practices. They gave up their, their dental practice here in the U.S. And I'm one of them to do this. So I just want to forewarn you. Yes. Yes, that's a great question. Man, you guys got some good ones. Okay, where is God's authority? Where did he place his authority on earth? Where is it? What institution? The church. So we start with the church. So in my case, I went to my church, which is Southeast Christian Church, and I went to the people and the organizations that Southeast partnered with. So Caleb is a partner of Southeast Christian Church, King's Pride. Um, So that's where I went first. So we already have a relationship. With them, It's not somebody cold that we don't know anything about. And so we went to them and we said, would this be possible? And uh, so then we started working out the details from there. So that's the first start. So you have to have a good relationship. And Empower, uh, which is a parachurch organization, works with a lot of organizations. So it's a little tougher for them because they don't have the same relationship. So they have to build that relationship as they go along, which makes it a little bit more challenging. So it starts there. Any other questions? Yeah. Did you got did you hear King's Pride Hammond last night? Okay. Who who did not hear King last night? Raise your hand. Okay. Several points. Um, when actually they wait, we normally hand out. We have a team praying. We have a team looking out for opportunities to witness. The first is at the entry point. We have normally huge lines. That would be the time we hand out the tracts and also connect with people. If they are relatively new, we try to talk to them where they came from and pick up the conversation. And then the second, and it is a very, very Interestingly, it is on the table when they are given that um, short um, um, anesthesia start, and then that is a good time. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, um, again, uh, maybe I should, um, a district collector has come to know about uh, outreaches through the print medium. The press comes to know about it, the local press. I'm not talking about the big major newspapers. The local press and the district collector wanted to check us out. He sent the doctor, a district medical official, to come and check on us. She happens to be a dentist, so they wanted to check us. And she was flabbergasted seeing these guys do. And, um, and then I happened to give her the gospel, um, the New Testament, and uh, she received it. Not only that, she said in her college, while she was doing uh, medicine, there were several Christian groups working in that college which tried to witness to her, and she always resisted. And at one point, she even told me that she tore away 
the New Testament that was given to her. But then this is the first time seeing us, what we are doing, she received very gladly. She promised me that she is going to read. So, at, And then what happens after this is another good thing. And these pastors, uh, they go and follow up on these patients, how they are doing, because they know. Uh, they have a list of them. They go check on them. So they have actually even better communication at that point of time to connect Jesus Christ to them. Without the gospel, this is no, this is not effective. I mean, it's fine, but it's all about that, really. You guys all know that, right? This would be crazy to do anything like this without introducing Jesus. So, Russ, yes. I've been on um, several short-term mission trips to um, south, um, south of the America, let's just say that. Um, do you find that with people that you encounter, they are more apt if it is free or if they would have to pay for a medical service? Or what is, are all of your services free or do you charge um, once you are trained? Oh, man. That's great. <laughs> God is so good, isn't he? He just, okay. We've done non-sustainable ministry long enough. Going and doing for others what they can do for themselves, paying for everything for them is not sustainable. So, it is, how you like that, so? So, it's very important that we talk to them in our relationship about sustainability so they charge a fee. Now, we're wrestling with this with Caleb a little bit because he has a little different philosophy, but this is a work in progress. This is relationship. This is in northern Nigeria where... Uh, you're dead if you're a Christian. You're just, they just kill you. They don't play. I mean, they're just serious. Um, they charge a fee of $10. Now, you can go to the dentist somewhere around there and get it done for 20 So they charge a, t- a fee of $10. Now it's sustainable because it costs maybe a buck to uh, buy the anesthetic and galls and all that kind of stuff. So it's very important that it be sustainable. So you charge a fee. Here's another thing, too. In Nigeria, if... You don't charge a fee, and it's deeply discounted. Muslims say, this is another one of your Christian tricks, isn't it? Trying to trick us again, trying to convert us again, aren't you? So that makes it legit. Yes, please. We we are mostly outreaches that we do as a team. We do free of cost. But then the clinics that our pastors are running on a weekly basis and a monthly basis, they charge for the services. Not for the services, but for the medicines. So the services are rendered free. Okay, good. We have time for one more question. Great. Okay, so now you're all going to do this, right? <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, but really... How on earth? Yes, ma'am. I wanted to know more about your training modules. Okay, good. Um, I'm going to have a few minutes. I'm going to have some people stand up that are doing this. So when they stand up, you look at them and you eyeball them and you go talk to them about the specifics because we've left a lot of gaps. The six-day training, um, we have two days in the classroom and four days of clinical work. So it's like the old, uh, my dad was a millwright. He learned how to be in a millwright because first he was an apprentice. 
Then he became a journeyman. Then he became, so that's the model. It's not the model we learned where we st- sat in class and watched lectures and read books. And I cannot tell you the first thing about embryology, histology, biochemistry. It's long gone. But you don't need that to extract a tooth safely. So two days in the classroom, we get right to the basic stuff. Um, no medical terms, not mesial distal, inferior alveolar, all this stuff. No, it, a lower inferior alveolar injection is a cross shot. Simple, because you're going across. So then they have four days. Now, in those four days of clinical training, they take out more teeth than I did in four years of dental school. So it's a different mindset and training. So then we always go back a year later to do follow-up. How you doing? We teach them in the training, do not take out lower third molars. Because of the density of the bone, they're likely to break roots off. We don't leave root tips. We do not leave root tips. If you can't take the whole tooth out before you start, you don't even start. Because we don't have x-rays or anything like that. So... Uh, because here's what happens. If you don't do this properly and you don't do it with high excellence, then it's a bad reflection on you, your ministry, the church, and Jesus. So we have to do this with excellence. And because we're doing this work God's way, it attracts his supernatural resources, and it's amazing. Caleb, sincere. I hear this from the other guys we've trained too. We don't have post-op problems. The patients don't have problems. The government doesn't come in and shut us down because we're having problems because they do it with excellence. So we're out of time. Those of you guys, Lori, Amy, Linda, please stand up. Deb, Norm, Eric, Denny, those guys, raise your hands because everybody's saying. These guys are involved with this training. They have had lots of experience. So put your eyeballs on them, and then you can go and see, uh, talk to them about it more because we only had 45 minutes. So. We're a respecter of time around here, and we're time, our time's up. Let me pray, then we'll go. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you are awesome. And uh, we just thank you that you use us um, to minister. And uh, we do pray for these $2.7 billion. Show us how to do it, how to get the name of Jesus to them. And let's use the global church. It's not all about the American church. It's the global church. So help us to be effective. And uh, we just thank you for this time to just get together and fellowship. And uh, so we just praise your name.